God-making choices. Well, the first choice that we see here in chapter 25 is that God chose Abraham. I mean, we come to perhaps one of the most important chapters in all of the scripture, Genesis chapter 12. What happens in Genesis chapter 12? sets the pace for everything that happens thereafter. Everything that occurs following Genesis chapter 12 is because of what has God has determined to do through Abraham and his descendants. You may recall that God determined to make a covenant with Abraham. Why Abraham? We don't know. I guess God is a God of grace. And God made a covenant with Abraham. And you know this covenant, friends. If you don't know it by now, you're not listening. <laughs> I want to drill this deep down so that you understand these things. God said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great. And I am going to make of you a great nation. All of these things, very important. Now, the fact of the name Abraham, meaning father of many nations, is true, and we're going to see that lived out in this passage, but particularly this one nation. And through this nation, I will bless all the families of the earth. Watch the nation. Even today, my friends, there are two events that must take place before our Lord Jesus returns. The first is that the nation of Israel must be back in the land. That took place in 1948. Some of you were alive during that time and maybe did not understand the significance of that event. A nation, a people scattered suddenly back in the land. And the second thing, guess where that takes place? The nation of Israel. Jesus said, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Watch the nation of Israel. And so God chose Abraham. He chose him to make a covenant with him. Again, to make a great nation. That happens between the book of Genesis and Exodus. 75 people grow over 430 years into two and a half million. If you're going to have a nation, you need three things. Remember what those three things are? You've got to have people. Because three people hanging out with each other is not a nation make, okay? you got to have people. And the Lord is the one who takes care of that. If you're going to have be a nation, you need a, a place to put them. You need a land. In Genesis 17, the Lord describes the borders of this land, which is, by the way, a lot larger than the borders of the nation of Israel today and one day it will indeed be occupied and finally you need a law to govern them Genesis, Exodus Leviticus Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua they're in the land God building a nation that through this nation all the families of the world would be blessed and God chose Abraham to do it with. 
how did he do that, by the way? Anybody here ever heard of Jesus? <laughs> you know, descendant of Abraham? Yeah. And so God chose Abraham to make a covenant with. And so Abraham, we see, <laughs> to be the order, to be the father of many nations, we see, took a wife. Now, we had just read here a few chapters ago that uh, Sarah had died. And now Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. And she bore him Zimron and Jokshan and Medan and Midian and Ishbak and Shua. And of course, Jokshan fathered Sheba and Dedan. And the sons of Dedan were Ashurim and Letushim and uh, Lemumim. Fun calling them for dinner, I guess. <laughs> and the sons of Midian were Ephah and Ephur and Hanach and Abida and Eldah. And all of these were the children of Keturah. There is a particular name that stands out among all of them, and that is the name Midian. The Midianites, my friends show up later in the Bible in various times. For example, a little later in the book of Genesis, we remember the, the, the brothers of Joseph who hated him. God was doing a work in Joseph's life and had given him this dream, and he told his brothers the dream, and they hated him. So when they were out in the field, you remember what they did? They said, let's just kill this guy. And, in, and instead, one of the brothers said, no, 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 let's not do Let's just dig a pit and leave him in there and go home. Monstrous decisions. God at work. You see, because after they left camp, along came some Midian traders. And they found him in the pit and said, you know what we can do with this guy? We can sell him as a slave. And into Egypt he goes. And the rest of the story you know, my friend. The rest of the story you know. So God chose Abraham to make a covenant with, to pass on to his descendants. Look at verse 5. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. And God had told him, in Isaac all of your descendants will be named. Not Ishmael, not any other sons you may have, but Isaac. God chose Isaac. We'll see that. And so Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, but to his sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac, eastward toward the east country. He sent them away. Difficult though it may be, God had made his choice. And Abraham trusted God and acted on it. And so these descendants would come through the line of Isaac. But God also made a covenant with Abraham in order that he would live out a relationship of faith in God. In the New Testament, we know Abraham to be the father of faith. He believed God. When God had told him about this nation, something he would never see, he believed God, and God accounted it unto him as righteousness. 
Notice verse 7. And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life. 175 years. And Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age. An old man in full of years. Well, that just sure seems to be emphasized a lot. This dude was old. I mean, he was there when the earth was just... just <laughs> it sure makes it seem that way, but he lived 175 years. And notice in verse 9, Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittites, east of Mamre, the field that Abraham had purchased from the Hittites, and there Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. And so there is the snapshot of God's choice of Abraham. Out of all of the men and women and children on the planet, God chose Abraham. And of the two sons, and then the another six sons, I think, God chose Isaac. Take a look here in verse 11. God chose Isaac. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son. And Isaac settled in Beer Laharoi, the well where God sees. And God blesses Isaac there. But you know what? God also blessed Ishmael. And do you know why he did that? Because he was the son of Abraham. And these are the generations of Ishmael. Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's servant, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the son of Ishmael, named in the order of their birth. And to save some time here, friends, and to give you the enjoyment this afternoon of reading all of these names yourself, we'll skip down to verse 16. And these are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names by their villages and by their encampment. Twelve princes according to their tribes. You want to underline that for your study later because you will see that is exactly what God had said about Ishmael. That twelve princes would come from him. And these are the years of Ishmael. 137 years. And he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. And they settled from Havilah to Shur, which is opposite Egypt in the direction of Assyria. And he settled over against all his kinsmen. And so God chose Isaac. He blessed Isaac. He also blessed Ishmael. But the choice was Isaac. And that's where we zoom in on, on verse 19. But we see these are the generations of Isaac. It is as if Ishmael has been listed, God kept his word, let's put it on the shelf and get back to business. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Haramian to be his wife. And so he was married later in life. But what we begin to learn here is that Sarah, I'm sorry, Rebecca, like Sarah, is barren. No children. 
Notice verse 21, and Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And so Isaac, unlike Abraham and Sarah, decided let's not try and figure this out on our own. Let us ask the Lord. And so Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife. And the Lord granted his prayer. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And so now Isaac, who almost feels like a transition in this story, there's about three chapters that cover Isaac, and then the rest of the book is about the descendants of Isaac. You will notice, my friends, that God is about to make a choice yet once again because God is the one who chooses. You will notice here, my friends, in verse 22, Rebecca has now conceived and the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is thus... Why is this happening to me? If the Lord has blessed me, why is this such a miserable experience? <laughs> and you know what she did? She went to inquire of the Lord. Friends, can we pause for just a moment and say, hey, maybe we ought to follow that practice. Hey, here's a problem we're facing. Let's go to the Lord. <laughs> Let's ask him. Hey, the Lord answered our prayer and it's still hard. Let's ask him about it. And the Lord said to her, look at here in verse 23. The Lord explained that there were two nations in her womb. Well, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. And here the Lord makes yet another choice. The Lord chooses the younger over the older. Oh, we don't do that around here, Lord. <laughs> the one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. In verse 24 we read, And her days to give birth were completed, and behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out. Hold your nose on this one, friends. <laughs> yes. The first one came out red. All his body like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Ick. I'm sorry, Esau. This is not a pretty picture being painted here. You look, everybody has hair. Go ahead, take a moment to look around. You know, we, we all have hair. But something about this fellow <laughs> made him look like he was wearing a, the robe of a goat or something. I don't know. We'll see that later on to try to imitate him. Yes, they took it. <laughs> Terrible. And so here is this, uh, the birth of these two. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called him Esau, which is Hebrew for hairy. It's not, but it could be. 
Now the youngest was named Jacob. The eldest here is named Esau. And afterward, look at verse 26. His brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Deceiver, supplanter. It was as if he was trying to pull his way out first. And we're going to see that this is certainly an attribute of this man's life later on. So his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. And so we know what the Lord's choice was. What about the parents? We would hope that that would match what the Lord had said. But you will notice, verse 27, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in the tents. So here is Esau out in the woods, hunting, laying the trap. He smelled like the fields. But Jacob, Jacob was in the house making brownies. Jacob, Jacob liked to hang out with mom. You know, we, we, we would say a mama's boy. And that is the picture being painted here. These two guys, very, very different. And so we certainly easily could make a note of that. But I want you to notice there might be another reason that the Lord chose Jacob. And once, you see, I, <laughs> so the Esau in verse 27 is a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in the tents. And notice verse 28, Isaac Loved Esau, oh my boy, <laughs> because he ate of his game. Oh, he brings me home the bacon, I'll tell you what. Man, can he hunt. But Rebecca loved Jacob. We got trouble in the home when that takes place, my friends. Parents start showing favoritism, you are bound to just destroy the spirit of a child. Well, once we have a little story here <laughs> where we find that Esau traded away his blessing for a bowl of soup. Now, when we talk about the blessing here, we're not talking about something from the Lord. It was, a, uh, it was the practice of people in this era, this time, that the oldest child would receive double the blessing. So in this case, he would get two-thirds of everything his dad got because he was born first. Now you will notice here, once when Jacob was cooking stew, we're surprised to see him in the kitchen, aren't we? <laughs> and so there he is experimenting, you know, and, uh, and Esau came in from the field. Notice verse 29 here, and he was exhausted, tromping through the woods, chasing after the game, came in and he was hungry and you've been there before just give me something to shove in my mouth now while I think about what we're going to have for lunch and so Esau just comes in he's exhausted and he said to Jacob verse 30 hey let me eat some of that red stew for I'm exhausted 
Therefore his name was called Edom, which means red. Seems like a theme in his life. Later, he's the father of the Edomites. You'll learn about those later. And Jacob steps back. And he considers for just a moment, perhaps what we have before us is an opportunity. And Jacob said, verse 31, sell me your birthright now. You're hungry, I have stew. You have a birthright, I have not. Let's make a deal. That's Jacob, my friends. Now Esau said, I'm about to die. What use is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him, and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Now, you are tempted to think, oh, this poor young man's going to die. He was tired, my friends, okay? <laughs> he was tired, and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. And thus Esau despised his birthright. God is the God of choosing. And the wonder of it all is that he chooses anyone. Because let us recall, the reason that he chooses us to save us is for his grace to be on display. That's his glory. There isn't a one of us in this room or on this planet that deserves anything better than hell. Friends, if that is not your mindset, you're going to grumble a lot. And hear me when I say this. All grumbling is grumbling against God. When it comes down to it, I'm not happy. I don't feel I'm getting my due. All grumbling is grumbling against God. There isn't a one of us here, friends, that deserves anything better than hell. That is the grace of God, that he saves anyone. But God is the one who chooses. And so hear me when I say, when we sum this up, sermon in a sentence, God sovereignly chooses whom he will to accomplish his purposes and for his glory. God's choices put his grace on display for all to see. We are people of grace. He chose us not because of anything that we have done, my friends, but because of his mercy. He saved us. So hear me when I say he is God and you are not. If God has made a choice in your life, and believe me, he has, trust him. Trust him. You may not get it. His choices are always for the ultimate good, not the immediate easy. And we always want God to act that way. 
God, you love me, so make my life easy. But you know what? God is more interested in your character development than your relaxation plan. God is God. Remember this. And his choices are for the ultimate good and not the immediate easy. And no, my friends, his choices are not always easy to understand. Can we put on display the cross? Wonderful. God has sent his son. Behold, everything will be different now. And look, they hung him on a cross. Do you know how his disciples felt when that happened? They ran and they hid. And they were terrified. For what hope is there now? And then there's this thing called Resurrection Sunday. (laughs) It's not always easy, is it? There isn't a person in this room that couldn't testify that sometimes God's choices for us are difficult. 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 I grew up a Spartan fan. Well, I mean, who isn't really? (laughs) and it was my full intention to go to Michigan State University and there I would study and play with all of the greatest athletes of the universe and and, and you know what they said we don't want you and I thought well surely this must be some kind of misunderstanding (laughs) no they were certain they did not want me See, I went to this little school in Chicago. Yeah. Everything changed, my friends. God's choices are for our good. Our ultimate good, not necessarily our immediate ease. But you've got to trust him. And finally, our response to God's choice is to trust in a loving, all-wise God. When difficulty rolls through the door, my friends, know that God is at work. God is at work. He's at work in your life, my friend, because he loves you. Because he has a wonderful end in mind. Trust him. Trust him. Let's pray together.